You are listening to Books Are My People, a bi-weekly podcast for book lovers with book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. This is episode 25. Hello! So, the weirdest thing happened with my podcast two weeks ago. I, you might have noticed, I uploaded it like I always do and went along my merry way and then got an email from listener Michelle, who was kind enough to let me know that there was only four minutes of the podcast that made it to the public. So I have no idea why that happened, but I was able to upload it a second time and now it is there in its entirety. So if you were listening two weeks ago and I didn't even get to any books and you were wondering what in the world was going on, uh, that is why. So you can go back and have a listen. It was a gentle reminder that I am no tech whiz. Perhaps I should read more books about that. And what might have gotten cut off uh, during my four-minute podcast two weeks ago, um, if you weren't able to hear the whole thing, is that I have a new website, and I would love for you to check it out. I will take any feedback. You can subscribe to my uh, three-times-a-year newsletter. I promise I will not inundate you with stuff just three times a year. Um, I keep a blog on there where I'm currently posting a lot of virtual literary events that you can attend. And so the new website is at www.jennifercaloyaris.com. You probably know how to spell Jennifer, but I'm going to spell my last name for you. It is C-A-L-O-Y-E-R-A-S. So check it out and let me know what you think. It feels like a strange time to be celebrating, but this past week there has been a lot to celebrate. Both of my kids had their Zoom graduations, one from elementary school and one from middle school. So now I am officially the parent of a high schooler, which is just so surreal. Um, And it was also very surreal to be celebrating away from all of our friends and family and to be just sitting on our couch in our house, watching these Zooms happen. Um, It felt really, really bittersweet. In other celebratory news, my mom turned 80, and we are so lucky because she lives in LA as well, so we were able to have her over and have a socially distanced gathering for her. We decided to all dress in onesies from head to toe because we really wanted to hug my mom this birthday. Um, It was maybe 96 degrees, but that didn't stop us. We donned our masks and our onesies and hugged. And it was so amazing to hug. I think I might miss hugging most of all during this quarantine. Um, Then we stripped out of our onesies and sanitized our hands and we were ready to go. I don't know that the CDC would approve of our uh, onesie hazmat suits, but we did our best. don't really have much more news on the home front to report. We've joined our local library's online summer reading challenge, and the kids are reading on their own, and we're working our way through The Princess Bride together. I don't know if you've ever read that book. I'm sure everyone's seen the movie, but the book is really kind of wacky and funny, and it's been uh, fun to read. We have officially completed over 90 days at home, and now we've made the transition to summer break, and so it feels a little like getting back on that hamster wheel, but the pacing's different without school. 
Um, I actually slept in till 10 a.m. today, which I had not done since maybe I was in my 20s. We're spending most of our time outdoors since that's the only way we can socialize. So that is where our summer will take us to the great outdoors. On to some bookish news. Because of coronavirus, a ton of books slated to be published have been postponed with dates that are continually changing. But how exactly will all these changes affect the fall lineup? So according to the New York Times, many authors had to push their publication dates. For example, the well-known author Jeff Kinney, who wrote the Wimpy Kid series, had a 10-city tour all lined up, but that was obviously not an option, so he's postponed till August. But this is sort of the story that's happening over and over again. Uh, lots of authors I know with books coming out are having to push and um, it can be pretty frustrating. So, so much happens when an author publishes a book from the bookstore tours to readings to attending festivals and conferences, and uh, all of a sudden we find ourselves with all those options out the window. So as a result, our fall as readers is going to be action-packed with a lot of heavy-hitting book releases that have just been waiting to come out. I definitely have not been spending a dime on anything except for groceries and books. I have been spending a lot of time talking to my kids about how to be an ally. People are obviously marching for justice all across this country and across the world, which is amazing. And I think the sentiment is pretty clear that enough is enough. And it really does feel like a movement and a revolution out there. And even though it's born out of frustration and anger and sorrow, I find it all really invigorating. And as a white person, I realize and acknowledge that I have been privileged to only be learning about racism instead of experiencing it throughout my life. And I think that with this privilege comes a greater responsibility to educate myself about the systemic racism that occurs in the United States from people that look like me. One of the best ways to combat racism is to read widely. Um, I don't know the racial demographic of my listeners, but if you are in a similar position, then this episode is for you. I've curated a list of works, both about fighting racism and the Black experience that I have found helpful to read, and I hope you do too. So now on to the books. It was really challenging to limit myself to five books for this episode, but I managed to do it, um, but the list could go on and on. And my first pick is How to Be Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. I had the great privilege of seeing him speak earlier this year, which truly feels like a lifetime ago because we were in a huge packed gym, um, just shoulder to shoulder. And just even the thought of that, I can't even remember what it's like to sit in a large room full of people. Um, but he was absolutely amazing. Kendi is the founding director of the Anti-Racist Research and Policy Center at American University. And his previous books include Stamped from the Beginning, an award-winning history of racist ideas that looks at people like Frederick Douglass, Susan B. Anthony, W.E.B. Du Bois, and when I saw him speak, one of the most striking things he said that really stuck with me was that there is no such thing as non-racists. 
you're either racist or you're anti-racist. So being neutral is not an option. Being neutral is just akin to being racist, because if you're not fighting racist policies systemically, then you are racist. So being a good person just isn't enough. People need to be actively fighting our current system of oppression. And a good person who votes in a bad policy um, under his terms is in fact a racist. So once this idea sort of settles in, it becomes a new lens through which to view the world, both on a global level and on a personal level. And I found it profoundly eye-opening. Kendi explores these ideas in chapters about power, culture, behavior, color, space, and ethnicity, and he specifically looks at the ways in which racist thinking can damage people and policy. He writes that, and I'm quoting here, going after white people instead of racist power prolongs the policies harming black life. He urges readers to take a look at our own lives, the way we act, the way we vote, the way we make decisions, and evaluate each action as either racist or anti-racist. And there's also a workbook that he published for how to be an anti-racist, and it looks very interesting, and I would be very interested in purchasing it and working through it. Kendi is also publishing a children's board book for the little ones titled Anti-Racist Baby, and that comes out June 16th. And again, that is How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Next up is Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. I also had the pleasure of seeing him speak last year. My kids' school has such an amazing focus on social justice, so we are just so lucky to have access to all of these wonderful and important speakers. Brian Stevenson's focus is on the unfairness of our justice system in America. He talks about the overwhelming imbalance of racial minorities in prison and how DNA analysis consistently exposes false convictions, which is just devastating for the people that it affects. Just Mercy is a memoir and talks about Stevenson's own experience as an activist lawyer. He grew up in poverty in Delaware, and his great-grandparents were slaves in Virginia. His grandfather was murdered when he was a teenager, and Stevenson went to college and then on to Harvard Law School and began representing poor clients in the South. That became his passion. This memoir focuses mostly on his clients, specifically a man named Walter McMillan, a black man on death row who was falsely convicted for killing a young white woman in Alabama. Stevenson has gone on to free people from wrongful or excessive punishment, arguing five times before the Supreme Court. This is a book that makes you upset and angry, but it's also a book that fills you with hope. And I just recently found out that, um, well, they made a movie of the book titled Just Mercy, and it is available for free streaming uh, for the entire month of June. I will be sure and include a link in the show notes. And again, that was Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. My next pick is White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. So she was also slated to speak at my kid's school. And I honestly can't remember if there was a reason why I couldn't go that night or if she was supposed to speak um, 
once the quarantine, after the quarantine had started. So, but in any case, I did not get to see her speak. But Robin D'Angelo is a sociologist and she is white. And this book is addressed specifically to white people. So she ran diversity training for 20 years at a ton of American companies. And she noticed that white people were just really awful at discussing racism. They would bemoan the fact that they were not racist and would talk about how they were taught in school and taught by their parents that everyone was the same. Um, There were a lot of tears. And what they wouldn't do was speak truthfully, basically about the ways in which they've fallen short. So D'Angelo coined the term white fragility to describe this sort of defensiveness that white people exhibit when their own ideas of race and racism are challenged. She explores the idea that white people are so frail when it comes to talking about race because they've been shielded from all of these racial discomforts and their lack of what she calls racial stamina um, in order to have these difficult conversations. And she saves her harshest critiques for white liberals like myself, who think that they're the exception and don't acknowledge their own participation in these racial systems. She works to expose these systems and the ways in which well-meaning white people contribute to and spread racist beliefs without even realizing it. I highly, highly, highly recommend this book. Um, And again, it is called White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. Next up is a pick for the younger crowd or for the younger crowd to read alongside their parents, perhaps. Um, And it is called This Book is Anti-Racist by Tiffany Jewell and Aurelia Dorand. This is a book aimed at a young adult audience that breaks down anti-racist tools for the reader. The four sections of the book include identity, history, taking action, and working in solidarity. This book asks important questions like, who are you? What is racism? Where does it come from? Why does it exist? And what can you do to disrupt it? It gives young readers, well, all readers, concrete things to do in certain situations. For example, specific language and phrases to interrupt and disrupt racism, sort of putting tools in kids' toolboxes of how to be a social upstander so that when you hear a microaggression or a racial slur, uh, you'll know how to act. I really think this would be a great book to read alongside your maybe like 11 to 15 year old. I am going to try and make that a priority this summer. Um, Part of the call to action includes journal prompts, if your kids are into journaling, and it encourages readers to grow from their discomfort because all of these conversations shouldn't be easy. They should be tough and uncomfortable. And that's sort of how you know that you're hitting the right spot, I think. Um, There is a helpful glossary included in the book, and I believe that through the end of June, 100% of the profits from this book will be donated to Black Lives Matter and Color of Change. And again, that is, this book is Anti-Racist by Tiffany Jewell and Aurelia Dorand. And for my last pick, I have selected a book I read a couple years ago, 
that really stuck with me, and that is Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates. So Coates was inspired to write this book after reading James Baldwin's The Fire Next Time. And I think a really good practice would be to read Baldwin's book and then Coates's book. Um, So Coates was inspired to write about his own experience being a black man in America. He was raised in Baltimore and talks about the violence he witnessed there. He talks about walking by the jails and prisons that he felt were built just for him. Uh, Coates's book, like Baldwin's The Fire Next Time, was written in the form of a letter to his son. So Baldwin wrote it, addressed it to his teenage nephew, and ta Coates writes it to his son. And he explores how one should live in a black body in our country. He exposes the racial injustices in America, and it's an honest reflection of his own experience living as a black American. This is quite a slim book that you can easily finish in one reading. It's so gripping, um, but it's one you will be left thinking about for a long time. It's just brilliant and poetic, and Coates is not one to shy away from asking really difficult questions. And if you enjoy this book, you can easily Google his many articles that he's written, and um, you can also Google just him speaking at various engagements. He's an incredible speaker. So again, that is Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates. I'm going to add another couple links to the podcast in case you are wanting more. Um, Ibram X. Kendi has an anti-racist reading list. I will include that. Vulture has an anti-racist reading list as well. And... I think that is all from my end. All of the books and links to purchase these books can be found in the show notes of this podcast or at booksaremypeople.com. And if you want to reach out and say hello, please do so at booksaremypeople at gmail.com. And don't forget, in two weeks, Joanne Hart will be here discussing her books, including, but not limited to, her recent memoir, Stanford 76, a true story of murder, corruption, race, and feminism in the 1970s. Up next for me, if I can get my hands on a copy, which I've been trying to do for a while, is a novel by the Japanese writer Mieko Kwakami called Breasts and Eggs. How's that for a title? But I've heard really great things about it. I will be back in 14 days, and I hope you all have a wonderfully bookish week.